Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, author and property investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And in this series of podcasts, we've been thinking about different property strategies. Last week, we were thinking about serviced accommodation. This week, we're going to look at a strategy which works well with serviced accommodation, but actually, it also works well with some of the other strategies we've already looked at, like HMOs and even buy-to-lets, because we're going to be looking at rent-to-rent. Now, one of the things which many investors love about rent-to-rent, and perhaps investors is the wrong word, actually, I should say perhaps property people is a better way of putting it, is that with rent-to-rent, you don't need very much money. In fact, actually, in its most basic form, you probably don't need any money at all. Because rent-to-rent, in its most basic form, is essentially a form of subletting. Because rent-to-rent is where you rent a property off somebody, and then you'll sublet it on to somebody else. Stereotypically, you might be renting it from a tired landlord, for example, and then subletting it on to a tenant who wants to live in the property. And as part of the deal, you'll guarantee a rent and you'll take over the management. We'll think about that in a moment. Now, for some of us, the idea of subletting and even the term subletting can bring up an image of some form of illegal or dodgy activity. But rent-to-rent is actually perfectly above board if you do it right. I think a lot of the confusion comes around the term subletting in a different context, where, for example, maybe there's been a lot in the press recently about people who have council properties subletting them at a profit. And uh, whether they should have been on the council waiting list or not, somebody's got hold of the property and then they've sublet it out to somebody else illegally because they're not meant to do that. And I think that's why sometimes when you talk about subletting, people raise their eyebrows as if it's all bad news. But no, I think that's a very specific incidence. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about something which is perfectly above board if you do it properly. So rent to rent. Let's have a think about how we would do rent to rent. Well, rent to rent would be about negotiating a long-term tenancy from, say, a current landlord and you'd be negotiating a tenancy which is mutually beneficial. Now, the big advantage of doing this is that you can probably negotiate a lower rent than the current market value because you're going to be taking the property on a long-term rental. That's why you can then let it at what we could call a profit rent, a rent which is higher than the rent you're going to be paying. So going back to my stereotypical example, if you meet a tired landlord who's fed up a property and fed up a managing property, and they're at their wit's end, they don't know what to do, you could offer to take the property off their hands and maybe offer them, I don't know, a two-year lease, a three-year lease, a five-year lease, however you want to structure it. You need to be a bit careful about how you structure it, by the way, because there's legal implications of all this, which we'll think about in a moment. But let's just assume for the time being that you can take the property off the hands of this tired landlord for a reasonable amount of time. In return for having a long-term rent like that, with a guaranteed rent over that long-term period, they may give you a lower rent. So why would they do that? Well, because if you're going to guarantee them their rent for three years or five years or whatever term you actually agree with them, then you'll be basically taking away the risk of them having a void. It's all well and good 
trying to hang out and get the open market rent. But of course, the open market rent is the open market rent because it reflects in part that every so often the property is going to be vacant and the property will need to be remarketed. That's going to have its own costs. Every 10 years or so, you'll be assuming that the property is going to need to be perhaps refurbished as well. So that will be built into the cost of a normal open market rent. But with a rent to rent, you can go back to the landlord and you can make it very attractive by not only guaranteeing the rent, not only guaranteeing that there's not going to be any voids, but you can take over the management for them. Because again, if they were to stick out for a normal tenancy and get a normal market rent, then presumably they or their agents would be managing the property, which would be another cost for them. You can take all of these costs away. You can take away the hassle of having to organise the gas safety check. You can take away the hassle of organising EPCs. Whatever it happens to be, you can take the hassle away. And that's why rent-to-rent can be very attractive to a lot of property owners. Now, I remember when rent-to-rents started to become popular a few years back. And at that time, most investors were starting out taking over simple single-let Units. They'd negotiate a low enough rent with the existing owner of the property, usually a landlord, to be able to make the strategy work. And then they'd rent the property out on a short-term tenancy, usually on an AST or similar. And that works well as well. But obviously with one single unit, it makes it slightly harder to generate the returns. And so rent-to-rent has really progressed over the years and has now embraced larger properties particularly larger properties which are either configured as HMOs already or which can be turned into HMOs by the person who's operating the rent-to-rent business. Because with a HMO, whether it's a rent-to-rent or whether you own it outright, chances are you're going to have a much higher return from a HMO as you would from an equivalent single-let property. Now, a couple of things that you need to be careful of when you're doing rent-to-rents is making sure that whatever you agree with your landlord, the person who's renting the property to you, that it's not going to be in violation of, say, their mortgage or their insurance. And I would suggest that although you could kind of take their word for it, you could ask them the question, you need to check for yourself that there's nothing underhand happening or that they're not in violation of their mortgage or their insurance policy. Because ultimately, if you're in control of the property, it's a moot legal point as to who's responsible if something went horribly wrong. Hopefully nothing will ever go horribly wrong, but if it did, you don't want to be at risk. And you don't want to put them at risk either. If they're perhaps a little bit naive and they don't really fully understand property, because it may not be a landlord who's renting you the property, it could be anybody. It could be somebody who's just had a probate. It could be somebody who's relocating. It doesn't necessarily have to be a property professional that you're renting the property from. So you have a duty of care to them as well. So you want to make sure that whatever you agree isn't going to put them in breach of, say, their mortgage and their insurance policy. I think that's absolutely crucial. So you need to take that on board and really make sure that that doesn't get them into trouble. And it might be that depending upon what you find, that you have to talk to their mortgage lender for them, for example. It may be that you need to change the terms of their mortgage, depending upon what it is that you're trying to agree and construct. And it may be that it's better for you to do that than for them to do that. By the way, is it possible to do that? Well, it is. And they the they can give you a letter of authority, which they can sign, giving you authority to speak to the lender on their behalf. Now, that's quite extreme. It may not need that, but it all depends on what you find when you look at the paperwork. Now, as I said earlier, one of the big benefits of rent-to-rent is that you can start with very little capital and you don't actually have to buy the property. 
But as with everything, there's a flip side. There's always an up and a down or a plus and a minus, as our very own Mr. Rob Moore would say. As you won't be owning the property, it means that you won't be benefiting from any possible future capital growth. So that's why at the beginning I clarified, I said investors, I don't really mean investors, it's not really an investment as such, but it is a property activity. So it's more about a property person than an investor strategy. But I think you understand what I'm saying, because you never go own the property, or at least at this stage you're not owning the property. So any future capital growth probably isn't going to be yours. But if you're stuck for cash, and if you want to get started in property, then obviously this strategy can be a great way to get yourself on the right track and to get yourself up and running. Although you might not be making from capital growth, one thing you will be making is cash flow. And if you can accumulate the cash flow and save it up, then that potentially becomes your deposit fund for when you start buying your own properties in the future. And it depends on what your goals are from property. If your goal is to create an income, then you could certainly do that with rent to rent It doesn't preclude you from doing other strategies which could create capital for you, by the way. So you could do rent to rents to start creating an income, which might help to get you out of your full-time job, while at the same time it gives you the time to go out and find JV partners who may fund your deals if you want to go and do flips or buy some HMOs or whatever you want to do. You could also run it alongside doing deal packaging. So it can be a great strategy which can just add to the overall pot and the mix of what you're doing and help you achieve your property goals, particularly if you need cash in a hurry. One suggestion which I make to anyone who's looking to go into rent to rent is that they consider negotiating an option deal to go alongside the rent to rent agreement. Why? Well, if you think of it this way, I've just said that you won't benefit from any of the capital growth, but if you can have an option agreement to buy the property at some point in the future, then actually that will give you a way of tying in that capital growth. And the reason why an option agreement can work so well with a rent-to-rent is because it's only the next logical step from negotiating a rent-to-rent. What do I mean by that? Well, just think of it this way. Supposing I went to a tired landlord and I said, Dear tired landlord, I'd like to rent your property off you for the next five years. If they agree to a rent-to-rent on the basis of I'm going to take it off them for the next five years, it's not hard to then add, oh, and by the way, if this works out, would you consider selling me the property in five years' time? And if so, can we agree the price now? In other words, you can effectively agree an option deal now which will allow you to buy the property. Now, an option deal, if you're not quite sure, gives you the right to buy the property, but not the obligation to buy the property at some point in the future. And you really can agree the price today, even if you're going to buy the property in two years, three years, five years, ten years. It's really up to you to negotiate with the vendor. It's up to them to negotiate back with you. So you really could tie the deal up so that you could have a long-term rent of two, three, five years, whatever, and have an option deal running alongside so that at the end of two years, three years or five years or any time during that period, you can exercise your option and buy the property for a pre-agreed price. And if your price is agreed at the right level, then you can take advantage of any capital value uplifts that happen during the option period. So I think that's quite a neat thing to do. If I was doing rent to rents, I would always be looking to agree an option deal with the landlord, with the person who's renting me the property. 
because you can ask the question so easily. It's all just part and parcel of the negotiation. And they're only going to give you three possible answers. They're either going to say yes, in which case that's great, job done. They're going to say no, in which case you can then say, well, why not? Can we think about this? Or they're going to say maybe. And if they say maybe, they're basically just saying, make me an offer. Let's talk about it and negotiate. So there's really nothing to lose by asking the question. And of course, it's not just option deals. You could use uh, installment contracts. You could use delayed completions and all the other creative strategies that are available in property. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, well, maybe in a future podcast, we're going to think about some of these different strategies. And uh, certainly the no money down, go on the no money down course, that you learn all about these creative strategies, which can be really, 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 can't even say it, I'm so excited, really, really useful in property, just another tool which allow you to buy properties, often with no money down, which can be a great way to buy property. So there we are. There's a few quick thoughts about using rent to rent. Where would I be looking for my rent to rents if I was going out looking for rent to rents? Well, I've said tired landlords. So one of the first places I'd be going to is landlord meetings. Now, this isn't the same as network meetings. I think network meetings are going to be full of investors. You may be able to negotiate some rent to rents there. There may be investors who are looking to offload some of their properties. Uh, it all depends. I mean, if they're looking to get rid of them because of Section 24, for example, probably not going to help. If you're wondering what Section 24 is, well, Section 24 is what is the provision that George Osborne brought in in 2015 when he told us that from 2015 onwards is going to reduce the amount of mortgage interest that we can offset against our rent when we're calculating income tax. If they need to get out of property because their income tax bill is going up because their properties are owned in their own name, then rent to rent may not help them. But there may be other investors who just feel it's time to move on. Maybe they want to change strategy. Maybe they just need to raise some cash for another project. So they could possibly be potential landlords who let, let their properties to you. But I wasn't thinking so much of investors as landlords. So I'd be looking to find out where the local landlords meetings are. And I often see landlords and investors as being a completely different type of persona. I know this is a little bit unfair and I'm being very stereotypical, but the way that I see it is, is that an investor is somebody who wants to own properties to have a passive income and they don't really want to get their hands dirty. They don't really want to be involved. Whereas a landlord is generally very stereotypically, probably sort of middle-aged to old, probably looking a bit worried and haggard, probably got a big bunch of keys on their belt, probably out scuttling around in the evenings doing repairs on properties and they were wishing they were at home watching Coronation Street. I don't know. That's kind of very stereotypical. But that's what, that's what I've seen out there and that, that's who I'd be looking for. I'd be looking for the tired, jaded people who are out doing the repairs with the big bunch of keys, who don't really want to be in the business anymore, and you're going to find them at the landlord meetings. So go on to the National Landlord Association site, go on to the Residential Landlord Association site, find out where the local meetings are, Google landlord meetings and find out where local meetings are, and go to them and go and talk to people. And I, and I apologise to anybody who considers themselves to be a landlord. I realise I'm being a bit naughty and I'm just being extreme just to make the point. It's not necessarily the case that all landlords are exactly like that and all investors are the other. But you know what I mean. And those would be great people to talk to because if they want to get out of the business, they're the people who are going to rent their properties to you. 
who else would I talk to? Well, I'd be talking to letting agents. And I know from listening to what goes on around the progressive community, I know that some letting agents are very good and they understand what you're trying to do and they get it. And other letting agents aren't so good and they don't understand and they don't get it. And that can be a source of confusion. It can be a source of frustration. But you just need to, it's a numbers game. You just need to talk to enough letting agents until you find the ones who get it. And then they'll be able to help you source the properties that you want. Because any letting agent should know which of their clients wants to get out of the business and which of the clients would be open to doing a deal and open to an offer. Now, there are different scripts that you can use. I'm not going to go into this now because I wouldn't profess to be an expert at rent to rent at all. But a bit like with serviced accommodation, I'm going to be transparent and say it's not a strategy that I use, subject to one proviso. But it's something which I hear a lot about because obviously I keep my ear to the ground in the progressive community. And so I just want to sort of whet your appetite so that you can learn a little bit more about it. There's obviously a rent to rent course at progressive. You can come and learn a lot about it and you can learn how to do it properly. I say it's not a strategy that I don't use myself, but with one proviso, because I realized when I was training at Masterclass a couple of months back that actually I did it without realizing that I'd done it, which sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? The story is this. I found a property which I agreed to buy on an option. And as part of the option agreement, I agreed to pay the vendor's mortgage until such time as I exercised the option and bought the property. In the meantime, I was granted the right to rent the property out, to let the property out. And I remember I was training at Masterclass and I said, I described the deal and I said, what sort of deal is that? And somebody says, it's a rent to rent. And I was going to say, well, no, actually it's an option. But then I thought, do you know, actually they're right. I've got a rent to rent and the option. And I, was, and I hadn't even thought of it that way. I'd been so focused on the fact that I'd agreed the option to buy the property and I was paying the mortgage as part of the option arrangement. It hadn't occurred to me that actually, in effect, I was renting the property on a rent to rent because I've the, the, the rent is effectively the money covering the mortgage payment, the vendor's mortgage payment, but I had also sublet the property out to a tenant. So it was a rent to rent and an option. And that's why I know that doing rent to rents and options together does work. I've done one accidentally. I wasn't even thinking about it. I just wanted to do the option because I was thinking about buying the property and I was just renting it out in the, in the short term while I was waiting to buy the property. This stuff does work and you can do it. So anyway, I hope you found that useful and I hope it has whetted your appetite to go and find out a bit more about serviced accommodation. As I say, a great strategy if you haven't got any money. You don't need an awful lot of money to get yourself started. You probably will need some money. What will you need the money for? Well, you've got to go and find the properties. You need to be able to travel. You need to pay a solicitor to come up with some kind of paperwork which is going to work, even if it's only a very basic sort of lease agreement between you and the landlord. You need pay for that. Uh, what else? You, you may want need to do some works for the property. One of the reasons why you might be able to pick a property up on a rent to rent is because it needs some work into it. Maybe it's a bit tired. It needs decorating. It may be that if you have higher aspirations, you'd like to find a property and convert it. So you could convert it into, say, a HMO. Now, obviously, if you're going to do that, you have to do that with the consent of your landlord. You can't just rent a property as a single let and then without telling anybody, turn it into a HMO. Why? Well, because you need your landlord's consent because it's their property. But what if your landlord has got a buy to let mortgage and they're insisting that he lets it as a single let or she lets it as a single let? So again, going back to my earlier point, you need to make sure that they're not in violation 
of their mortgage terms or their insurance conditions. So you can't just charge off and do it. But if everybody's happy, and I know that some in, in, in property people are going to say investors again, but property people do this, they'll spend the money to take a property and maybe turn a single net into a HMO, renting the property from the landlord and then making a bigger profit rent by letting the individual rooms as a HMO. That can make a great return. Of course, you need to then balance your figures. You need to think about how much it's going to cost you to convert the property and what the payback period is going to be. Because if you have, say, like a five-year term with the landlord, you want to make sure that you're making a profit over that five years and you're not still paying for the cost of the conversions after five years. Otherwise, you're going to be out of pocket, obviously. Let's say you need to do your sums. That can be a great way of doing it as well. So many different ways of doing it. And yeah, always think about taking an option agreement. Can't stress that enough. That could be such a game changer for many people because you might be out there doing rent rents and you may not even have thought of that. But I'd say it's the natural thing to do. So until next time, I hope you found that useful. Until you tune back into the Progressive Property Podcast next week, I've been Peter Jones. If you want to know more about me, you can come to my website, www.thepropertyteacher.co.uk. Come and see me there. Till next week, though, here's to successful property investing. Bye.